Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The New York baseball teams did take some tremendous heat on this program yesterday. And the reason for that is they deserve tremendous heat. Serious heat. Because they're both an embarrassment. But it's almost like the team right up the road from me heard that segment and said, Wait a minute now, Rome. Wait a minute. We want next. Like they heard that rant. They heard me talking about the Yankees and the Mets, and they were thinking, Rome, you're like 20 minutes from us. What about us? Here you are going on and on about pathetic organizations, and you're not talking about us. And we're right down the road from you. We need to fix that right now. It's almost like that franchise up the road said and heard that rant and thought, Man, hold my beer. Hold my beer. Then again, if anybody over at the Big A was actually listening to this show on the regular, they probably would have done just about every single thing differently this year. Certainly over the past month. I mean, what a disastrous year for the Angels, but especially over the last month. That will go down as the most disastrous month ever for the Angels. Almost for any franchise. And you can't say that I didn't warn them. You can't say that a month ago that I didn't say, you know what, you better get something for Shohei. You better get something for him because something is a hell of a lot more than nothing, which is what you're going to end up with when this guy walks because this guy is going to walk. Why would you risk losing the best player ever and getting absolutely nothing in return? Because no matter what happened, that team was never going to contend for bleep. Never, never, ever. So trade that dude. Get what you can. I know it's painful. You don't want to be the guy to trade the best player ever. But you know what you really don't want? You don't want the best player ever to walk and then get nothing in return. That's even worse. It seemed like a pretty easy call, at least for me. But even I didn't expect the last month to be this much of a bleep show. The Angels did go all in. They went all in only to lose the next seven games in a row. They're the worst team in baseball since the deadline when they went all in. And it's not even close. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is not only did they go all in, not only are they the worst team in the game since going all in, Shohei also shreds his elbow in the process. So that team was already having the worst month ever. And then yesterday, they just flat out gave up. Then yesterday. Yesterday, they flat out gave up. They were all the way in 30 days ago, and now they are all the way out. Check out this passing bomb via the X at Jeff Passing. Quote, breaking. The Los Angeles Angels hit play starter Lucas Giolito, relievers Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, and outfielders Hunter Renfro and Randall Grychuk on waivers. Sources tell ESPN, huge potential playoff implications. All can be claimed by teams for free on Thursday. <laughs> huge potential playoff implications, except not for the Angels. So the Angels are having a fire sale, as in that damn house is on fire. Everything must go. An estate sale in Anaheim this week. And the best part is, everything is free. Free. If you can haul it, you can have it. 
So a month after these guys were all in, they're now just giving players away in a pure salary dump in order to get under the luxury tax threshold for this season. Or maybe they're just being cheap. Or maybe they're just being the Angels. Those players they just threw up on the waiver wire are due roughly 7.4 mil for the rest of the season. They did all this to save 7.4 mil. 7.4 mil. So how the hell were they going to come up with a half a bill? Bill for Shohei if they can't pay for one more month of Lucas Giolito. And more importantly, how are they supposed to pitch Shohei on a competitive future when they're just giving guys away for nothing? Players they just traded some of their best prospects for one month ago. They just lost some of their best prospects, and now they're just giving away the guys that they gave up some of their better prospects for. And why? To save money. Pure salary dump. I mean, this could not be any more of a calamity than it is. Every freaking chip to the center of the table at the deadline, only to be the worst team in all of baseball since the deadline. I mean, you want to talk about crapping out. If you sat before you did any of this and somebody said, all right, let's talk about it. Let's play it out. Let's play it out before we do this. What is the very worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that could possibly happen before we pull the trigger and go all in? This. This is the worst case scenario. This is rock bottom. This is the house burning into the ground. And for some reason. (laughs) So that is your worst case scenario. It happened. And then for some reason, Shohei is still going out there every single day to hit. I've got no idea why. It's the ultimate for who? For what? He went three for five yesterday, and guess what? They lost. Because, of course, they did, obviously. And if that wasn't absurd enough, the team has now admitted that Shohei didn't have any imaging done on his elbow until that last start against the Reds last week. Now, that would sound like organizational malpractice, right? How do you keep running this guy out there during a lost season when you know something's a little bit off, right? Something's off. And you keep running him out here, and his elbow is on the verge of exploding. The team says, we offered him some imaging, but Shohei and his agent turned it down. They didn't want it. So the question is, is the team just covering its ass here? Probably. Does the player have some responsibility here? Yes, because clearly he calls the shots. They've always let Shohei do whatever the hell he wants. Why do you think he's happy here? He gets to do whatever the hell he wants. He gets whatever the hell he wants, except for dubs. I mean, they should let this guy do whatever the hell he wants. He's Shohei Otani, greatest player ever. They're the Angels, one of the biggest disappointments ever. Of course they're not going to stand up to that guy or make him get an MRI or any kind of imaging or shut him down. Not when they're trying to resign him. They don't want to piss him off. They don't want to aggravate him. Hell, they're never telling this guy what to do, ever. Essentially, they don't tell him what to do. He tells them what he's going to do. I mean, don't get it twisted. They could not have handled this entire season, or really the last few, any worse than they have as an organization. 
but they can't make this guy do anything that he doesn't want to do. And according to the team, believe who or what you want to believe, he didn't want the imaging, according to the team. But they're not shutting this guy down, and they're not going to leave any remaining money on the table either. In other words, it is a super cluster bleep all the way around. Again, can I reiterate, since going all in at the trade deadline, they're the worst team in baseball. I mean, go figure. So imagine some incredible angeling from the Angels. Yesterday I said the Mets are going to Met and that they were having the most Mets season ever. Same for the Angels. The Angels got an angel, and they have never angeled so hard before. At least they didn't Fred Warner, any of their guys, any of their players, and send them out in front of the media to explain this dumpster fire. They just had their manager, Phil Nevin, do it. Guys being placed on waivers before the game, did you address it with the team at all prior to the game? No. No, this is uh, front office decisions that don't affect our room. Uh, we've got to go out and win some, win some games and play, play the game right. So just business as usual before this one tonight? Yeah, business as usual. Business as usual? Business as usual. My man. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Phil, my man. Dude, would it be business as usual if they put you on waivers? Because they probably have, and they just didn't tell you. Business as usual? Business as usual. Yeah, you could say that again. That's the, You know what? That's the problem. It is business as usual at the Big A. You could say that a million times because that's what it is for the Big A. Business as usual. Business as usual. He actually tried to say, quote, it doesn't affect our room. Affect our room. Uh... It's probably going to affect the room when a whole bunch of dudes pack their crap up and leave later on this week. When the front office just gives away like a fifth of your entire roster, it's going to affect the room. Like, I'm not in the room, but I don't think I need to be in the room to know that that's going to have an impact on the room. Because one-fifth of the room just got blown away. And all you guys had to do was listen to me, to the show... Because for me, this was pretty simple. I mean, simple but not easy. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to trade Shohei, but you really had no choice because the guy was not going to stay. You trade him, you get what you can, you avoid rock bottom, which is where you are right now. Because now your team and your franchise stink. 
And you had no prayer of winning anything this year anyway or re-signing the greatest player ever anyway. So get something for him because something is still a hell of a lot more than nothing. In other words, I'll point to one example. Why can't the Angels be more like, say, Bryce Harper, a.k.a. Daily WIP Listener? Not only does this dude, is he open about being a WIP listener, he actually said after the Phillies got done kicking the Angels' ass yesterday that he went yard for a WIP caller, Chuck from Mount Airy. I was driving in today and, you know, I'm listening to WIP like I do a lot, um, the 2 o'clock hour, and uh, a guy named Chuck called in and he calls in a lot, he's hilarious. Uh, but I said, uh, you know, he was talking about our team and talking about me and stuff. And um, I walked in the training room. I was like, I'm going to go deep tonight for Chuck. Uh, <laughs> that guy had me fired up, man. I mean, that's amazing stuff. Not as good as my guy Nick Casario breaking down the entire smack off field. But pretty close. Like Bryce Harper's like, yeah, I listen to IP all the time. And my man Chuck had me all fired up. So I came in the clubhouse and I thought to myself, man, I'm going to go deep for Chuck. It's like hitting a home run for the sick kid in the hospital bed, except it's for the sick caller to IP. That's amazing. What a legend. Both of them, actually. Bryce Harper and Chuck from Mount Airy. Here is the actual call of the bomb. Actually, no, no, not, 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 not the bomb. I want the call from Chuck, Allie. My bad. Can you give me the call from Chuck? Now, I want to say something about uh, 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 my man, Bryce Harper, right? Yes. Mm. Bryce Harper, listen, man, if I don't do anything before I die, I'm going to shake that man's hand one day. You hear me? If he's one of the best. He's well, the best Chuck, he could be listening right now. As we know, his routine is to listen to the Marks and Reese show on his way he, into the park. If he's listening, listen, man, listen. Bryce, get your ass down, kicking in peace, whenever you get a chance, man. And come meet me and come meet the people that love you because you are the man. And we go where Bryce Harper go, okay? I'll tell you what, the amazing thing about Bryce is I bet he is finding himself at Chickie's and Pete's having a yingling and some crab fries with Chuck. That dude loves Philly and Philly fan almost as much as I do. Bryce Harper, man. This dude loves Philly. Philly fan loves him. And I just hate what's happened to the Angels. I hate what they've done. I hate what's happened to them. It brings me no joy to get after the team right up the street. But then again, I've got no sympathy either because I told them. All you had to do was listen. Like Bryce. I mean, you can't tell me you're not listening on the way in. You can't tell me you can't find the show. Instead, you did what you always do. You angeled it all up. Just business as usual though, right? So just business as usual before this one tonight? Yeah, business as usual. You know, I wonder about Artie, Artie Moreno. Does he know that cut-down day is for the NFL and not MLB? It doesn't include your own ball club. You don't have to trim your roster from 90 to 53, Art. You know that, right? You don't need to decide between a fourth tight end and a backup left guard. There is no cut-down day for Major League Baseball. Not like that. Sure hope that $7 million was worth it, or $7.4. I just know this. I have never seen anything remotely close to that. Just wiped out a fifth of their roster. Business as usual. To save money. 
gave up those prospects and have nothing to show for it because they gave those guys away. College football fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code ROAM. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just 5 bucks on college football. That's code ROAM only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be present in state where lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age, varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. cdkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions to apply. Arthur Smith. Arthur, it is great to have you on the program. How are you feeling? Hey, thanks, Jim. Thanks for having me on here. It's good to have you on here. Really good to have you on. So let me ask you, the 53-man roster was finalized yesterday, so now we're about a week and a half out from the opener against the Panthers. How are you feeling, Arthur, about the 53 you have and the work they've been putting in getting ready for week one? Yeah, I feel, I feel great about it. You know, it was a we had a competitive camp, you know, as we've been uh, – building this thing and you know each year has been a little bit different but this was a very competitive camp and um so it was there were some tough decisions made and uh you know thankfully we got a few guys back on the practice squad which are which keeps it competitive because you're allowed with these standard elevations you know to really go up to 54 and 55 if you need to and uh that certainly makes it easier Arthur Smith joining us. You know, not that I expect you to break down the process completely, but how challenging was it for you and your staff to make those final cuts to get down to 53? And then, Arthur, what's it like to tell a guy who you know is trying to live the dream, who gave you absolutely everything he had, and you've got to say, sorry, we just don't have a spot? Yeah, those are hard conversations. Um, I have so much respect for these, you know, the, the players that we have in here, and uh, it's our day in any industry, you know, when you're basically telling somebody, Hey, you're not going to be here any longer. And, uh, you know, if you, if it ever, if I ever become numb to it, I need to go do something else because these guys give us everything they have. And it, it is a tough day, but there's a way to do it with, uh, empathy and respect. And, and our guys, it's a, they all deserve it. And, uh, thankfully we're able to bring some guys back to our practice one. I can appreciate that. Arthur Smith is joining us. Now your roster does include running back B. John Robinson. Not that you care much what I think, but I'm going to tell you what I think. I absolutely love this guy. I love him. I love him on the field. I love him off the field. And given all this talk about how devalued the running back position has become, given his versatility, how valuable is he to this offense? Yeah, he can do a lot of different jobs for us. I mean, he's just an exciting football player. I agree with you. I mean, uh, we, we love the, the player, the person. Uh, excited, you know, he's part of our team. And he's such a unique football player. And I think you know, sometimes get people get locked into certain categories, and and we get that's a separate debate that I probably shouldn't get to uh, publicly about you know what's fair and what's not. But they're you know all these players are different, and their value to the team are different, and their skill you know their strengths are different. And Bijan's is a unique football player for us. We were talking to Arthur Smith. You know, when you and I spoke during OTAs in May, you spoke really positively about what you saw from your quarterback Desmond Ritter as he started the final four games of last season as a rookie. So how much progress has he made since then? And then how big of a jump do you expect him to make this season? 
yeah, I, I, Dez had a really good camp. And, you know, the, the good thing about Dez is he's got a lot of a lot of reps. He played a lot of games in Cincinnati and then uh, you know, was able to play at the end of last season. Um, you know, so he's got a lot of experience. You know, again, it hasn't been a ton at the NFL level. You know, I understand that. But that those reps matter as a, for a quarterback. And he's got real leadership skills. And I think he's had a really good camp. And he understands what his role is. And as you're bringing quarterbacks along, you better make sure you've got the support system around them. I mean, a lot of times that you can make a great subjective argument that tank some talented players in this league that their careers may have been different if they've been somewhere else. Oh, I've always said that, right? I think situation is so important. Fit and situation are so important. So it's really important, Arthur, that he has reps. But to your point, he also has targets, like no shortage of targets. Like always a good thing for a young quarterback. Drake London, for instance, is looking to build on that outstanding rookie season he had. Kyle Pitts, fully healthy, it seems, after being limited 10 games last season. So how pleased are you with the help that your quarterback has around him and the overall depth of your receiving core? Very pleased. You know, that's um... – you know, we've got a lot of unique skilled position players. You know, the addition of, of John o. Smith will help. Uh, Matt Collins, you know, Cordell Patterson, and then obviously you still have Tyler Algier back there. So there's a lot of guys that can move the football for us, and we feel very confident offensive line. I mean, it, you know, it's um, we feel great about where we're at right now. It's exciting. You know, we're last weekend without NFL football, and so try not to get too, you know, out over your skis a little bit. You know, we still got time here before we kick off but uh it's exciting time yeah it is it is the best time arthur smith joining us for a few more moments i know you're looking to see some improvement defensively it would seem to me because this is why you went out you got Calais campbell you got jesse bates the third you got bud dupree what is your outlook on that side of the ball yeah we've got uh we feel good about the depth up front you know the way that we want to play um you know expect troy anderson to take a leap we added kate nellis who's a very smart football player who can also rush the passer as well depending on what packages we want to deploy, you know, from game plan wise. And then, you know, the, the corner uh, depth outside, um, you know, with AJ out there and then that and Jesse and Richie, I mean, we, we feel good about where the depth's at. And then the other thing too, about getting more opportunities to rush the passer. I mean, that, that'll increase your sack numbers. If we can get out to a better lead and we can get people in the obvious passing situation. You know, you spend any time at all, and, I mean, even as, like, a media member like myself, you spend any time at all with Clays Campbell, and it's hard not to be taken by this guy. It's just his it. He's larger than life, literally, figuratively, no matter how you want to describe it. What's he been like having around, and what kind of an impact has he had on the defense already? Yeah, he just, uh, you know, certainly brings a lot of experience and wisdom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible if you look at the career he's had. I mean, he's played, you know, 16 years now. And he still looks great. I mean, he's just – he's a guy that can set the edge. He can certainly uh, collapse the pocket when you need him to on rushdowns. Uh, he's been great for that room. You know, there's a lot of veteran experience in there with Grady Jarrett, adding, adding David Anyamata, Bud Dupree, or Lorenzo Carter's back, and then we have some young, young guys that go along with that. Um, so it's been a really good mix. He's brought a lot to the locker room as well. Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith, my guest. So before you go, we're not quite there. We're almost there, but we're not quite there. But you're going to open up with a divisional matchup right out of the box when you take on Carolina. What do you make of the top overall pick, Bryce Young, and what challenges does he present to you in this, his NFL debut? Well, he's another guy. I mean, he's, he had a lot of game, a lot of reps at a high level at Alabama. Uh, very, very smart player. I mean, you, you could see it, the way he can extend plays. He's like a he always reminded me of like Steve Nash, the way he, he plays 
quarterback, the way he can distribute, and you can see that spatial awareness. Um, you know, as he, as he extend plays are just traditionally just dropping back. Um, so I think you know he's going to be a challenge, and so it's our it's our job to make it difficult for him, especially in his first start. But uh, we got to kind of respect those guys. Frank Reich, you know, having when I was in Tennessee as a coordinator, he was the head coach in Indy. Um, you know, they got some really good defensive players as well. It's, it's going to be a great challenge. That's a great We're analogy. That's a really great analogy about Steve Nash. So one last thought. What about the division? Like, really interesting, right? Especially the quarterback position. Desmond is heading into year two, but he's the only returning starter in the NFC South. You've got Young leading the Panthers. Baker Mayfield now is with the Bucks. Derek Carr joins the Saints. Does it feel like the rest of the division has kind of had a collective reset of sorts? Well, yeah, finally uh... – Brady finally retired, so that's uh, good, right? He's going to play till he's, I thought he was going to play till he was fifty, but um, so it certainly uh, changes, you know, what it's going to look like in Tampa. And they got a new offensive coordinator, and Dave Canales, and then they're going to go with Baker Mayfield. That's uh, Todd Bowles is a terrific coach, and you know, their defensive scheme is, is tough. But you know, in New Orleans with Derek, I mean, you know, with Derek Carr back there, that's a talented team. They got some good veteran players as well. You know, every week, every year in the NFL, it's always wide open. Um, that's what makes it so exciting, week in and week out. Arthur, were you kind of kidding when you said that, or did a part of you think that, man, that old guy may play till he's 50? I, he was the one guy I wouldn't doubt. I mean, you know, I was up in Tennessee, you know, the last game that we, we played in the wild card in New England, and then I got here to Atlanta in 21, and it was like, I mean, it's you just don't see many athletes in the way he competed, and, and it's unbelievable. It's like Benjamin Butt. Like you just like I'm like, all right, this guy, this guy looks a lot better at 44 than than I did at 40. Uh, so I, I need to find out what he was doing. There's something to it. Like, leave me with this thought. I, I'm more impressed. Like, wh- what do you think about a guy like that who never lost his willingness to prepare? Because you know the grind. You know the commitment. You know how dedicated he was. Physical, you're going to have some slippage. But what about it took him all that time and he never lost his willingness to do the work? It's a rare rare trait and uh that people that sustain success like him have uh because he never you know that that that, you just hit the nail on that i mean it just not many people could do that in the way that he prepared and the the level he played at and then you know it's really impressive just the mental grind that it probably took and i don't i'm not claiming that i know him or really know the inside but studying from afar that's where I have the utmost respect for Exactly. That's the thing that's always inspired me the most about that guy, that he was willing to continue to pay that price year after year after year after year. Arthur Smith is the head coach of the Falcons, entering his third season, and they're going to open up against Carolina to start the year. Arthur, appreciate you, and really appreciate you coming back on the show. Thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. All right, so it's been a minute since we checked in on the old red ass himself. Nick Saban, if I'm being honest... I actually have missed his legendary red assery. I have. The good news is the dictator is all over the news with said red assery. 
and for a pretty classic Nick Saban reason. He's found some new rat poison. Apparently now, announcing a depth chart is the new rat poison. Rat Who knew? Poison. Hey, by the way, is anything not rat poison to this dude? Name one thing that Nick would look at and not say, that's rat poison. Rat poison. That's rat poison. Rat poison. I'm telling you, pretty soon this guy is going to be calling his own little Debbies, his beloved little Debbies, rat poison. Rat poison. According to Red Ass, announcing a depth chart would be a massive distraction. So he's not going to, so quit asking. I'm not going to, so quit asking. I'm actually, I kind of understand where he's coming from with this particular thing. In the age of NIL and transfer portals, dudes want to play, right? Period. And when the depth chart gets released and dudes realize they might not play, dudes going to be pissed. And a bunch of them are going to hit the portal. So I can understand where this might be frustrating and where a coach might be concerned and they don't want to let that out there. I mean, it used to be for a competitive advantage. And they just don't want you to know. Now, they don't want to alienate a player and have them go rushing to the portal. But you know whose fault that is? Not mine. Certainly not the local media in Tuscaloosa. If you want to play the blame game for the absurd state of college football right about now, do not blame us. Start anywhere other than the people in the press room in Tuscaloosa. But of course, that's who got the lava flung right in their faces. And that's the thing about burning, flaming, hot lava. When it goes in your face, it hurts. It stings. The people in the press room in Tuscaloosa got some of that. Check out the red ass going full on red ass on them earlier this week. And again, over what? Announcing a freaking depth chart. I know that, um, you know, your number one focus is not on the game. Uh, It's on the depth chart. And look, there's a lot of competition on the team. Uh, and when we put a depth chart out, you all think that's like final. Like this is like etched in stone that it's going to be this way forevermore. Uh, just because we come out of fall camp and that's where it is. But creates a lot of distractions on our team. Creates a lot of, um, you know, guys thinking that, well, this guy won the job now and I'm not going to play or whatever. And quite frankly, you know, we don't need that. Quite frankly, Nick Tater, you sound confused. Did you think that you were in the locker room talking to your team right there? That's what that sounded like. That sounded like you were talking to your team. Because nobody in the media thinks the depth chart is like, quote, final. Or like etched in stone. Or like forevermore. Nobody in the media is controlling the way your players react to the depth chart or how much they think they'll play, obviously. Obviously, the media folks, the media really doesn't think anything about the depth chart being anything other than a depth chart. Media folks are just trying to figure out who's going to play. They're just doing their job. Honestly, the media is mostly just trying to figure out who the hell your quarterback is. That's what it comes down to, right? Who is going to fill those enormous shoes left by Bryce Young? 
you know, you couldn't beat Georgia when you had the number one overall pick playing quarterback. So, of course, everybody is sort of kind of wondering who's next. And on top of that, it's a pretty legit question because you still have not announced it yet. And something about the red ass going full red ass about his depth chart makes me think that either he doesn't know the answer to that question or he knows the answer to that question and just doesn't like it or feel good about it. Check out what he had to say about his quarterback situation last week. I told the quarterbacks, I said, quit looking around for me to make a decision about who's going to play. How about you playing good enough that I don't have a choice? That's what you can control. That's what you can do. And somebody needs to do that. You know what? I hate to say it. I never thought that I would compare these two guys because the Nick Tater, red-assed as he is, is the GOAT. That's some herb stuff right there. Kind of like, I'm going to treat my stars like stars, and I'm going to treat my crap like crap. And if you don't want to be crap or treat it like crap, figure out a way to be a star. This guy just said, in effect, stop looking around at me to name a starting quarterback. And... Name your own starting quarterback. Play like a starting quarterback, and then I'll name a starting quarterback. And I'm going to treat my s*** like s***. Compare those two things. He just said, I'm going to treat my S like S. And if you don't want to be treated like S, be a star. It's kind of similar, in a way, to what Nick is saying, is it not? Is it not, Alvy? told the quarterbacks I said quit looking around for me to make a decision about who's going to play how about you playing good enough that I don't have a choice that's what you can control that's what you can do and somebody needs to do that that's kind of like a watered down version of perv that's a cleaned up version of perv I mean I don't know Nick I'm not gonna tell you how to do your job I don't mind telling perv how to do his job because nobody was worse at his job than he was in the NFL I would never tell you Nick but it seems to me like you got to name a starting quarterback. It's not up to the quarterbacks to name a starter. Like you just said, stop looking at me. Oh, all right. Do they get to pick the starter themselves? How would that go with you, Nick? Probably not too well. The reason they're all looking for you to name a starter is because you have a game in three days and you have not yet named a starter. Oh, and then after that, you've got Texas. Pretty important game. So it's not the quarterback's fault that you haven't named a starter just like it's not the media's fault it's your fault it's on you you're the guy and we all know it's not your depth chart that's pissing you off anyway it's Georgia's your depth chart is not the rat poison rat poison Kirby Smart's depth chart is the rat poison he just sent 10 more guys to the NFL and there is still the team to beat why Because of his depth chart. That's probably why Nick's ass is so red and his rat poison paranoia is so high. It's because Kirby and the dogs own this guy now. And everybody knows it. So, Nick, back off the local media. Stop beating them down. It's not their fault. All that red assery back in the day played differently when you were competing for and or winning a natty every single year. However, when your former assistant blows right by you, then owns you, all that red assery just makes you look ridiculous. When you were on top, sure, folks were open to hearing about the famous quote, process. 
the process. But nobody wants to hear about the, quote, ass, especially the red ass. Nobody is going to watch Nick's TED Talk entitled The Red Ass, How to Get It and Keep It. Nobody's going to buy a book entitled Red Ass, The Nick Saban Story. We are joined right now by Alan Robinson. Alan, it is great to have you on. Thanks so much for doing it. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. So you got yourself a new opportunity. In fact, let me kind of couch it this way. I spoke with Patrick Peterson, Steelers Corner, back in June. And like you, he's a highly respected vet. In his first season with Pittsburgh, he told me that he felt completely rejuvenated and re-energized by joining a team with such a winning tradition. Do you feel that same vibe? Is it similar for you? Definitely, man. It's been super tough. Um, <clears throat> you know, joining the squad, you know, Coach T and himself, you know, how he approaches everything every day. I'm saying with the young guys we have around us, man, it's been pretty cool. We're talking to Alan Robinson. So the preseason is over, and you and your teammates have got a huge one right out of the box. I mentioned the 49ers. How hyped are you to hit the field with your new team and take a shot at one of the ones to beat in the NFC? We're excited. You know, we understand we have some time, you know, again. So for us, it's a bit taking it day by day, you know, staying dialed in, staying locked in, you know, executing at its finest, you know, and just being diligent in our approach, you know, but we're definitely excited. We're talking to Alan Robinson. So you find yourself, I think, in a positive situation with a young quarterback with upside. Let me ask you about Kenny Pickett. What have you made of your time with him so far, and what's his ceiling look like to you? Man, he's been awesome. You know, I think he has a super high ceiling. You know, I think the biggest thing for him is his uh, the biggest thing for him, I think, is his approach each and every day. You know, he's so diligent in and out of it. Talking to Alan Robinson, you know, you were talking about how diligent he is. I was going to ask you, like, specifically, what do you like best about him? What do you think his separation is? To be honest, I think his separation is his approach every day. You know, I think at that position, everybody has talent. You know, but the way he approaches the game each and every day, you know, snap in, snap out, you know, the details in which he, you know, approaches the game with. You know, I think for us, you know, it's been big for us. You know, the communication, you know, play in, play out, you know, where he wants guys, how he wants certain things, him really taking ownership of the offense. We're talking to Alan Robinson. You know, it's really interesting for a young player to have that kind of mindset and kind of have that approach. What about the receiver's room? I would bring up another young guy, George Pickens. Now, this guy's only 22, coming off a really good year. How good is he already? And then how much better can he get with that great athletic ability that he's already displayed? Man, the sky's the limit for George. Um, I think, you know, for our room in general, you know, it's one of the best rooms I've been a part of. You know, we have a ton of different skill sets. Calvin Austin, Gunner, Miles, Blakin, uh, Deontay Johnson, myself. You know, we have many different flavors. You know, so, but, but for George, you know, I think the sky's the limit. You know, he had a really good uh, rookie season. You know, I think he's really looking to take his game to another level. Alan, how do you approach that, right? So you've got a lot of different flavors. You've got a lot of different guys and guys with different skill sets. As the vet, as the guy, you're 10 years in right now, do you kind of lead by example and just kind of worry about yourself? Or do you feel like it's part of your job and responsibility to take these young guys under your wing and let them know what you know? Most definitely. You know, I think the, the thing for me, you know, from, that, from the mental game standpoint with my group is just making sure that they stay locked in, you know, day in, day out. You know, it's a long season. It's going to be ups and downs. It's going to be adversity. But for us, it's about treating prosperity and adversity the same. You know, again, when we have our highs, you know, we can't get too high and can't, you know, smell ourselves too much. And at the same time, you know, things aren't going 
the way that we want it. You know, we got to continue to lock in each and every day. You know, our our approach can't change. You know, we got to approach each and every day the same. Consistency, dude. You got to be consistent. Allen Robinson joining us. Now, your situation is interesting in that not only are you playing for a new team, but you're making a transition on the field, moving inside as a slot receiver. What has that adjustment been like for you? How comfortable are you on the inside right now? You know, fortunately for myself, you know, um, my time in Chicago, you know, I got to play inside a pretty good amount, you know, playing inside a little bit last year, you know, so I have a decent amount of familiarity with that. You know, so for me, it's just continuing to, to sharpen my game and to sharpen my sword, you know, every time I'm on the field, you know, in practice and different things like that, you know, watching film, you know, just being able to continue to give myself an advantage, you know, conceptually with what we're doing versus what the defense is giving us. So, Alan, you know, you mentioned last season, you know the numbers, right? The injury rate in the NFL is what? 100%? Like, your season ended with the Rams last November when you needed foot surgery. So, how challenging was that particular rehab? How's the foot right now? You know, whenever you have surgery, you know, it's extremely challenging. You know, and it's good right now. You know, um, it's good right now. You know, for me, it's just continuing, like I said before, just continuing to work you know, each and every day, you know, um, getting more and more explosive and doing things like that, you know. But whenever you have injury, you know, it's no fun, you know. And for me, it was just, you know, having such a serious uh, approach to that this off season and getting myself to where I was 100% not been able to do that, you know. So now it's just continuing to polish my game. Yeah, I'm curious. When you look back on last season, I thought about that. The Rams go from winning the Super Bowl to finishing the year, which is five wins. I mean, you were a big, big free agent signing. They committed – that was a big swing for them now that – to go from where they were to where they fell, I understand injuries played a big role in that. What else do you think happened to lead to such a fall off for that team? I'm just tough to say. You know, again, last year we were pretty banged up. Um, but it's tough to say, you know. It's, it's, it's tough for me to pinpoint something like that, you know. But, again, for me, man, it's just about continuing to look forward, you know, and, and being where my feet are, you know, and that's here in Pittsburgh. You know, that's where all my focus and energy is on, you know, figuring out how I can, you know, be the best player that I can be and continue to help lead this offense in the right direction. I'm going to take a shot at this. I understand what you're saying. I don't want you to think I'm not listening. I, I understand that you are in Pittsburgh. You're no longer here. But I thought Matthew Stafford's wife, just follow me on this for one minute if you would, Kelly was making some interesting statements when she said that Matthew cannot relate to any of the younger players because they come off the field and they don't want to kick it. They don't want to hang out. They don't want to talk shop. They don't want to talk about the game. They just want to get into their phones. Now, you're not as old ahead as Stafford, but you are 10 years in. You've seen a lot of things. I mean, do you sense any generational differences with the younger dudes? Or is my guy Matthew just that old? Um, again, uh, it's tough to say. You know, I think uh, a big thing is just, you know, certain personalities in, in locker rooms. You know, every locker room is a little bit different. You know, again, being able to kind of correlate to, to some of the guys that we have in our current locker room now. You know, we have some younger guys, but, again, being able to figure out ways to kind of, you know, um, relate to those guys, finding some commonalities with those guys. And, you know, for me, I've been able to do that. So it's been cool, you know, um, for me at least, you know, with, some of the young guys that we have in our locker room and in our, our receiver room, being able to connect with them. You know, I always joke with those guys and, and, and tell them that they keep me young. I like it. They do, right? You want, to, you want to be around that young energy. They do keep you young, and you got to joke with it. So Penn State is having you in Saturday to be honorary captain for their matchup against West Virginia. What's that honor represent to you? And then when you think back to your time with the Nittany Lions, what do you remember most? Man, I'm super excited. Um it's been such a long time since I've been uh, in Happy Valley, you know, so being able to get a chance to go back up there. And um, for me, obviously, I would say that my biggest memory kind of is uh, the Michigan catch and the Michigan game, 
you know, um, I think that was such a big game for our team and the university. But, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing is just, you know, being a part of a group of men who handle uh, a lot of adversity. You know, I made it out of a very, very tough situation as far as the course that we were dealt. You know, we didn't bend, we didn't fold, we didn't flinch. You know, we hung in there, we won a decent amount of games. You know, I feel like we were the glue to get Penn State over the hump, you know, from certain things that went on to where they are right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I was watching, like, we just dropped our son off, our younger son off at Colorado. And obviously, I'm fascinated by what Deion Sanders is doing there. Deion had this piece on ESPN.com, Alan, where he was talking about, man, I'm just, I'm sick of hearing about culture. I don't care about culture, which to me is fascinating because I've never met a coach that didn't start a conversation with culture. Deion's whole point was, man, players, players, you need players. I'm not going to argue a prime, man. This is one of the ultimate winners ever. He knows what it takes to win. But what you're talking about is we went through some adversity in Happy Valley, and it seems to me you don't get through that without a certain amount of unity and culture. So where do you come out? How important is culture? Yeah, you know, I think uh, from that standpoint, to each his own. You know, um, I think some of the great teams that I've been a part of, you know, we've had – a great culture. We've had a great identity, being able to pick each other up, being able to lean on each other. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're only as strong as the group. You know, so and there's times where guys are going to need to lean on guys. You're going to need to lean on your depth. You're going to need to, you know, kind of uh, have that identity and have that culture, you know, established, you know, for guys to understand things, know the rules, and to be able to, like I said before, be a group. You know, again, I mean, individuals are one thing, but you know, when you're going out each and every Saturday as a group, you know, you're you're, you're a tough team to beat. But again, I mean, you know, um, I'm very curious to see, you know, how uh, Colorado pans out this year. You know, I'm 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 pulling for those guys. You know, and and again, Coach Prime has done his thing everywhere he's gone. You know, so again, I mean, we'll see. Maybe he, you know, he has he has his own approach, and you know, I hope it I hope it uh, pans out for him. Hey, Alan, one last thought. I love the word you just used. Not culture, but identity. Identity. I think that's so huge. Like, if everybody knows their identity and then they act in congruence with their identity, and it's a strong identity, I don't care who you are and what walk of life, you're going to do pretty well, right? Like, that's an identity move or that's an identity choice. What would you say your identity is? Like, what do you want people to know your identity, your personal identity to be? I think for me, um, that has summed up my entire career, dating back from high school to college to pro, is you know being being uh, resilient. You know, again, I think that's you know a part of my my thing is not flinching. You know, being able to handle adversity, being able to handle adverse situations. You know, being able to come out on the other side of some of those situations. You know, and I feel like for me, that's what I've been able to do. You know, my my entire career. You know, and I and I continue to want to you know, lean on that, you know, as far as I've handled adverse situations and being able to, you know, make it through those things and to be able to help lead. I like it. It's inspiring. He's a wide receiver for the Steelers. He's entering his 10th year in the league, his first with Pittsburgh. Alan Robinson, my guest. Alan, I appreciate you. I appreciate that conversation. Thank you so much. No problem, man. appreciate you having me as always. Well, not really in market, but on topic. Let's go to South Carolina. Dan, here's a phone call. First one of the day, in fact. Good to have you, Dan. What's going on? Hey, Jim. Uh, I really enjoy your show. Very entertaining. Uh, as you were describing this lady, I was picturing her in a very tight outfit because that's what fat ladies do these days. And um, I imagine she had a hip or a knee replacement. So when the things went off, the metal detectors went off, They um, she showed them her card and probably had a knee or a, or a new hip. And then I was thinking, who in their right mind would search her body fat or at, in public with, you know, especially if you didn't have gloves on, nobody's going to do that unless you're in a prison. 
And so I think she could have smuggled a grenade in and nobody would have found it. That's my take, sir. Thank you. No, thank you, Dan. Thank you, sir. Good night now!